Hey, everybody. This episode is sponsored by the Iowa Public Health Association and the Our Story, Our Shot campaign. For more information, visit OurStoryOurShot.com. It's very important to me to ensure that we have CHW Voices central to everything that we do. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest with me today. This has been long overdue to get this podcast recorded, but it's definitely worth the wait. I have Honey Estrada with me. Um, Honey, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Corey, oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you. It has been long overdue. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So before, you know, honey, before we get into the conversation, you know, talking about the work you do with community health workers and the impact that you're seeing, how about you tell the people a little bit more about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, I certainly can. I certainly can. I am uh I am the president of the North Carolina Community Health Workers Association. Um, so it is all things CHWs all the time for myself and, and my team here in North Carolina. I am a Hmong woman originally from Fresno, California. Uh, we moved, my family and I moved here to North Carolina back in the 90s. Um, and at that time, there was a lot of crime uh, where we lived in Fresno and my parents wanted to raise their family up in, in a better place. And there were, we had some friends who had moved here um, from California and uh, spoke very highly of the location. And I think uh, specifically for the home community, North Carolina was very attractive, not just because of the jobs, but because we had mountains, we have mountains here. So the rolling hills that very much reminded uh, my people of home. Um, so that was very much a draw. So yes, so first, uh, first daughter, eldest daughter of Hmong refugees, um, and very proud of, of the Hmong community, who we are, the people that we represent. Um, a lot of us came to the States during the Vietnam War. We were refugees. My parents were refugees during the Vietnam War, so came to the States. Um, so when we think about community health workers and the work that I currently do right now, um, I, I, I think about my mom, who was the first community health worker I've ever known, because so many of us, um, we did this work before we realized there was a title to it. You know, and and I watched my mom do this work growing up just very naturally. And then I found myself in this role of providing support for community members, uh, providing guidance for family members. So um, 
when you ask me, what's my why, like what gets me up in the morning, it is the fact that I am pouring back into people who are just like me, uh, people who have lived experience, people who um, have had difficulty navigating all of our systems. Um, it is us building this better future for the workforce um, that that I very much believe in, um, who come from communities and backgrounds just like me. So in these in this workforce in community health workers, I see my mom, I see myself, um, and it is us really working together to build a better tomorrow for our workforce. Yeah. So one, this is this is more than just a job to you. For us, okay. this is. This is what you this is what you do. And what what I'm starting to understand around not just about the work of the CHW or anybody that's out there leading the way or trying to promote and improve health equity for all is it starts with community. Like you were saying with with your people, it's like when you have a community, right, it it makes that process. I'm sure it was going from your your homeland to a new foreign place, but you were coming, you have people that you know there that understand you and they can help you through this process. Community is so important. It is. It is. And I and I think that's that's what makes that's what makes community health workers so special is mm-hmm. because we have that deep cultural understanding of the communities we serve and we have the trusted relationships that other disciplines will not have. Uh, And and it's also that lived experience. I I always use myself um, as as an example that that lived experience that is so critical. I know what it's like to be on Medicaid. You know, I know what it's like to have to bring those WIC vouchers with me to the grocery store and feel shame and embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm giving that cashier my wig vouchers and I'm feeling like he or she's kind of looking at me some Mm -hmm. kind of way, you know, I I know what that feels like. And that lived experience is so critical uh, because it gives us an opportunity as community health workers to empathize with our community. You know, you're not going to get that elsewhere. That's really, truly what sets community health workers apart is the cultural understanding and the lived experience that we bring to the table. Absolutely. So piggybacking off of that, you know, you have your community health worker lived experience, um, providing that service, how do community health workers, they bridge that gap between the community or their underserved communities and the healthcare system? How, how does that work? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Such an excellent question. This is something that we do very naturally um, because I think about my mom, right? I think about my mom. Um, so growing up, my mom, um, she was a Head Start teacher And um, even when we moved here, she worked in the school um, as an ESL teacher's aide. I think I I may have gotten that wrong, but she was an ESL teacher aide. And the the children, their families would call her, um, would call her because, again, they knew that she understood uh, what was needed inside of the system. And they knew that she could help bridge those gaps for them because there's things like language barriers and that, you know, language barriers, God, like that impacts so much for comprehension. And so having that built in 
advocate, that built-in liaison within mm-hmm. a community health worker, it is it is invaluable. And so, yes, community health workers serve that very nat- that that gap very naturally because we are leaders within the communities. We understand all of the resources. We know, okay, well, if you're going to apply for Medicaid, they're going to ask you for this document, that document, and then this other document over here. Do you have all of that? And do you need me to go with you? I'm happy to go with you. I will go and interpret for you and make sure that we can get all of the things. You know, so this is these are the things that CHWs do very naturally because we understand what is needed from the system, but we also understand the needs of our people. And so it is, okay, we, we understand this part over here and this part over here, and we know what's needed and we bring those two together. So for CHWs, yeah, this is something that uh, when we talk about really bridging the gaps between communities and the health systems, it is something that we do very naturally. You know, you don't have to persuade me. I'm I'm more sold now more than ever. But (laughs) tell me, you know, what is it, you know, and this is um, totally off off of you know the top not really off topic but yeah. when we think about community health workers or myself as a health coach it feels like at least in my area and maybe other areas around the country that there's always that fight to prove why you're valuable to the healthcare oh, system yes right? what is it it so like when i when i googled community health workers you north carolina and maybe somewhere in texas have like an, an official like organization to, to do that, but it's not really in a lot of places. What do you think, what are you guys doing so differently that you feel like North Carolina is maybe seeing that value or maybe I'm, I might be wrong. Maybe, is it still kind of a uphill battle to show like, Hey, even though these aren't like health coaches, for example, we're not, we can't bill for our services, but that doesn't right, mean that we're right. not valuable. Exactly. You know what I mean? So what do you do or what do you say to to express and to show, hey, these community health workers need to be in these in these areas and there is value mm-hmm. there just because you don't mm-hmm. see see it monet- see the money from it doesn't mean there's no value. Yeah, excellent question. So I I want to level set just a little bit because there at the national level, we have the National Association of Community Health Workers, and we also have uh, with American Public Health Association, a CHW section, so community health worker section. So we have these national level partners who are really leading efforts for us. Um, and, and I, of course, have friends and colleagues in, in both of these organizations who are, I, I just, I think the world of them and hold them in high esteem. And as we look at the landscape across the country, um, each state, what we know is that each state, there, we're at various levels of, of community health worker work and, and where, where we are. Some states have associations like North Carolina, other states do not. Um, so for example, you know, we have friends in Alabama, they do not have an association yet. So it's coming, it's coming for them. Um, and I think that understanding too that the landscape is going to be very different from one state to the next. And so as each state responds, they really are going, they should be responding to the needs of their state and giving voice to the community health workers who are already leading this work. So specifically for North Carolina, uh, we're very fortunate because we have really strong working relationships with North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, 
um, who really led efforts very early on um, in 2014, way before the pandemic. And it was an opportunity for us to really gain an understanding of who we are as a workforce and what we're doing. And, and uh, there was um, a community health worker coordinator who was leading those efforts at that time and conducting listening sessions across the state. And that's actually where I became connected because I went to one of those listening sessions again uh, because my sister-in-law uh, forwarded me the invitation. And she's like, this looks like something you need to go to. And, you know, and I, I went and had no clue that I am a community health worker. So went to this listening session and we're talking about it. And I was like, oh yeah, I do that. Yep. Do that. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness. I'm a community health worker. You know? <laughs> and, and so it was, you know, it was very, very organic. And, and the, the conversation started about training and certification and what did we need in terms of a formal network so specifically for North Carolina, um, it was a very slow approach uh, to really cultivate um, the workforce, the needs of the workforce to understand what truly like those boots on the ground CHWs, right. what, what did we need? What did we need? And all of that came to form the 2018 recommendations report. I mean, it's available on our website. But as we move forward, you know, I think during the pandemic, we had unprecedented attention to our workforce because yep. we needed, right? We needed to get vaccines and arms. We needed to get the education out there. And who best, who best to lead these efforts than community health workers who are already in the community? So what we did um, as a state is we leveraged COVID dollars. It was an eighty million investment into the workforce. Um, that stood up the infrastructure, provided what we call vendors um, some money to hire and deploy community health workers out into the community. So, you know, that was what we did during COVID. And that really helped to, I mean, like that was a big, gigantic spark. Uh, talk about leveraging a pandemic for the workforce, specifically in North Carolina, so as we talk through training and certification, it looks a little bit, it looks a little different from state to state. Right. I think what, you know, what sets North Carolina apart is the fact that the association, um, so the North Carolina Community Health Worker Association, we own training, we own certification. That means it is for us, by us, guided by us, you know, operationalized by us. Everything we do, it is so critical it's very important to me to ensure that we have CHW voices central to everything that we do. So we are really centering community voice because the CHWs, we are the leaders within the community. And if we don't have that voice at the table in decision-making in whatever initiative it is we're developing, we've lost it. So I, you know, so I feel a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure to make sure that we are always centering CHWs. I think that's really what sets us apart. Um, the fact that we have really strong working relationships um, with, with lots of different partners across the state. And also that we are really, re and it's, I'm telling you, when we talk about equity, it's a journey because we don't have it 100% right yet, but really centering equity to make sure that we are really championing equity efforts, that we are really practicing what we preach, that we are walking the talk.
easier said than done sometimes. Right, but still still necessary. You, you know what yes. I mean? Like definitely easier said, especially yes. talking about health equity. Yes. Easier said and than done, but necessary. And you know, to answer to your point about payment, you know, right now, God, like it is so hard because so many CHWs, we do work um for free or based off of grants, um, you know, and then once those dollars run out, what happens? You know, we go right back to where we were before. So right now, what we're starting to see is um, Medicaid reimbursement for CHW service. And again, this is going to vary state by state. Um, And, and And it looks different and it feels different because, again, each state has to do what's best for each state. But as we look at Medicaid reimbursement, this is one tiny piece of a very big puzzle to getting sustainability models in place to support community health workers. So, yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not we're not built in, baked in yet. Not yet. Right. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) So for those for those um, healthcare systems that really they they see say see the benefit of a community health worker and they want to they want to you know dabble in that and see if that's something that works for them what uh what are some what are some best to do's to integrate uh community health workers into these systems to support mm-hmm. those uh or promote health equity yeah yeah i think i I would be remiss if I died, if I did not mention our small community-based organizations. You know, if you you go into any local community, that small nonprofit that might have like two or four people working within their team, but they are the ones that are doing the work. And yeah. it is not, you know, you know, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. small grassroots, super hyper local organizations, they are my heroes and my sheroes because they are the ones that are doing the work and they are natural employers of CHWs. So when we talk about health systems, right, these giant health systems who have all of the resources, um, the way in, in a perfect world, what I would love to see is for larger health systems to partner with these smaller community-based organizations. And, and you know, we have seen very fruitful models of this where we have a larger organization partner with a smaller organization because what that does is it continues to give the CHW the autonomy to do his or her work out in the community because what we don't want to see happen is what we call medicalization of the profession. Community health workers, it's in the name, community. We spend the overwhelming majority of our time out in the field. It's not going to serve us well if we call ourselves community health workers, but we're stuck behind a desk and a computer all day long. Yep. You know, I think what makes what uh, this is something that just is really beautiful and sets us apart is the fact that because we we have those trusted relationships, we as community health workers, we get the invites to dinner. We get the invites to the birthday parties. Right. We, you know, we get the invitations to the cookout, to the garden asada. Right. We get all of those invitations and and. We see things 
that a clinician, not that clinicians are not important. So what, you know, I'll circle back to that, but we see things that a nurse or a physician could not see within the four walls of the clinic. So when we talk about addressing social determinants of health, CHWs are adequately equipped to to address social determinants of health because the way I see it, CHWs are that an, another valuable team member of that healthcare team, right? So this is, we see ourselves as an extension of that healthcare team. That nurse, that physician can only do so much within the four walls of that clinic within mm-hmm. that 30 minute visit. So this is really where we can hand off to the CHW and say, hey, go check on you know, on this community member that we've been working with and, and see what's going on. And I, you know, we hear, uh, we have the privilege of hearing all of the success stories where community health workers are able to go out into communities and because they're engaged and they have built this trusting relationship, we see chronic diseases improve like hypertension, like diabetes. We start to see, you know, things go up because they're doing well and they're able to, they're able to, you know, walk a half a mile where they were able to walk none before. I mean, you know, it's these kinds of stories that breathe life. And so really looking at how, you know, this, a a really robust model, a very sustainable model is to have um, health systems partner with these smaller community-based organizations who are the natural employers of CHWs, that partnership, that really, to me, would be a tremendous, really beautiful model. Now we can get into the weeds about funding and all that, right. but yeah, 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 that's a whole story for another day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I love, I love that. You know, honey, you're talking about when these community health workers are they are from the community. The community trusts them. They're invited to birthday parties. They're invited to um, celebrations. What are some challenges to that community health worker? So I, I can only imagine when you're that close to somebody and their family, you feel that a little deeper than just, yeah. you know, there's, there's really no separation. What is what are some of the the downsides or some of the things that future community health workers should take into account when they get into this um, field? Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is such a powerful question, Corey. One of the things that we continue to see over and over again is secondary trauma within the workforce and really having a trauma informed response. It's my daughter back here. So, <laughs> so as we as we think through what this looks like and the challenges for the workforce, um, we hear this quite a bit. And so for us, it is, you know, specifically for me, from the association standpoint, it is how do we support our community health workers to ensure that they're able to not only continue to serve communities, but that they're taking care of themselves because we've got to ensure that we really are supporting our workforce. And you're absolutely right. When we have those trusting relationships and something tragic happens in the community, we feel that because that's our home too. You know, that's our home too. So we feel that very deeply. So it is really, you know, what we're doing right now is working very closely, not just with CHWs, but also employers to say, 
Are we managing capacity? Are we taking to this into account? What are best practices? And it's going to vary. I think this is something that, um, especially with a pandemic, it rose to the forefront because we started to see such high levels of burnout, not just in community health workers, but in the health health professions in general. You know, we started right. to see mm-hmm. these high levels of burnout. So, and, you know, let, let's just be real. Taking a bubble bath is not going to fix all of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so we are really challenging the system to say, how do we take care of our workforce? How do we ensure that we're breathing life back into our workforce to ensure that we are building a future that is going to be sustainable? I think that this is really where we have been challenging systems to be innovative and approach us, um, really to build in that time. Um, somebody actually said, you know, to uh, um, a couple of weekends ago, talking about like, what does a three or a four day work week look like? And I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Meet it. Because, yes. <laughs> because I, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all yeah. for it. That is that innovative. These are innovative solutions to wicked problems. And it's really going to require us to again to think innovatively and to challenge the system it is hard it's hard yeah yeah, yeah ab- absolutely and but um i think i think we're i think people are seeing that it's hard and understanding that mental health for all is is important and it's not just it's more than just taking a mental health day off of work it's more than like yes. you said taking a bubble bath and being like ah now i'm relaxed no it, yeah. it, it needs to be. It needs to be more to it. Correct. Yes. Um, yes. One thing that uh, I'm curious about, you know, and just speaking from you know the community, the community that I see, are the fact that someone may get hired or become a community health worker, and they may end up working in the community that's not theirs, right? And we talk a whole lot about cultural competency and the importance yeah. of that. So um, for those that maybe be working in the community that they're community that they're not um, familiar with, uh, how does cultural competency play a role in the work of a community health worker? And why, why is it so important? I know why it's important, but from, from your <laughs> point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, this is where we have really championed and have really tried to influence employers to think about really getting hyper local with their recruitment strategies. Okay. And when I say hyper local, I mean within the county or the neighboring county. Like it's it's got it's got to be there. If you can get down, if we can narrow that down to census tract. That is even like, that's even better, right? Because then if we, if we have, and trust me, like they are there, they are there. We might not have identified they're there. Every, every neighborhood, they have that woman that yep. sits out on the porch, you know, that everybody goes to because she knows everything about the entire community and she has the answers, right? So we know who these people, every, every neighborhood has that, that person, so we really challenge systems to get hyper local. That that is my recommendation is 
we need to ensure that we are getting people from the neighborhoods, from the community, hyper local. I cannot preach that enough. Because to your point, when we talk about cultural competency, again, I will speak for myself. I am a Hmong American woman. I know what it looks like to go into the home of another Hmong family, whether it's a man or a woman. I know how to address them. I know where to stand. I know the mannerisms. You know, it's if, it's, if there's an elderly woman or if an elderly man there, I know how to address them. It's all of those little nuances that are really so cultural competency, right? I know that it's deeply within me because that that's my culture. I understand it. So that's really why we, we really encourage employers to get hyper local with their recruitment strategies and also challenging systems and employers to think about who they're recruiting because CHWs, you know, we don't all look like your conventional, conventional professionals, right? Right. right. You know, um, just because I'm not walking up into your office with a three piece suit doesn't mean that I don't know what what's going on in my community. Absolutely. You know, I, you know because and again, um, you know, Pavel, uh, who uh, the Quien Tu Eres podcast, he talks about redefining professionalism and I am all for it. But you take away the hairspray and the makeup and the three-piece suit. It takes nothing away from what I know up here or what I feel here. Absolutely. And so when we talk about recruitment of CHWs for cultural competency, you know, you might have a CHW who comes up who's tatted um, and have gauges in their ear or have dreadlocks. Don't overlook this individual because I can guarantee you this individual knows something and this individual is going to come with lived experience. So we are really encouraging and challenging our systems to think about recruitment of CHWs differently, because to your point, when we talk about cultural competency, that is critical. That is critical to ensure that we're really getting at those healthy outcomes because that cultural competency is going to be absolutely critical and important and significant in addressing those those trusted building those trusted relationships to getting to those healthy outcomes that we all want within our communities. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's it's one of those things where I feel like some of the the culture that we have around healthcare and you kind of touched on it a lot where someone with the tats or they have locks or there are times where I could be wearing a hoodie and it doesn't change the fact about what I know and how I could help someone within my community. Yeah. And I think we need to get away from that just because you're buttoned up with no tattoos and um, you haven't said a swear word in your life. You may not know that community very well. (laughs) You know, (laughs) So that's super important. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and I, I think that, again, this is um, the, the CHW workforce. We There is so much value in who we are and what we do. And because we don't fit the mold, right. if you will, mm-hmm. of what, of what, you know, whatever of, of whatever our society and our culture thinks that we should, we all we often get overlooked. 
Um, and so it's, it's time to change that. Let's change that. You know, yes. and, and let's, let's think about this a little bit differently for sure. Absolutely. You know, honey, thank you so much for your time. I learned so much more about the CHW work and uh, it's exciting to see what you're doing over there in North Carolina. So I appreciate your time. Uh, for anybody listening that wants to learn more about you, what you're doing in your community, uh, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so feel free and feel welcome. I, I welcome your partnership. Um, we have uh, we have a website. So you, you can type Google in North Carolina Community Health Workers Association. Our website will pop up um, and our contact information is there. But yes, yes, please reach out. We welcome your partnership. Um, and if there is anything that I can do to support you, please let me know. We have some tremendous partners um, who are really doing some really strong work with community health workers across the country. So even if you're not in North Carolina and you want to get connected, I can connect you to some of those tremendous leaders that I'm working with. Awesome. Again, honey, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciated it. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project podcast. I'll holler at you next time.